It's Mike and Matthew here at the Practicology Podcast, where we are putting biblical theology to work in our everyday lives. Hey everyone, this is Matthew. Welcome to episode three of the Practicology Podcast. We're very glad to have you with us today. In upcoming episodes, we hope to touch on issues related to evangelism, teaching the scriptures to children, a theology of forgiveness. Um, future episodes, sometimes we will also be bringing in some special guests. It won't just be Mike and I all the time, and we welcome you to subscribe to the podcast and listen as often as you are able. Thanks so much for being with us today. Mike, I'm a little bit interested as to what you're going to deal with today. You told me that you want to talk about our posture. That's true, Matthew, so you better sit up and listen. All right, I will try to sit up straight and listen. I'm leaning forward. My feet are on the floor. My back is straight. Uh, What else do I need to do to get ready for this? Maybe push your shoulders back a bit. There, that's, uh, yeah, that's better. Now, don't let anyone tell you social media is useless. Thanks to social media, I've gotten a whole education lately on the existence of posture correction devices. That's right, I've been getting these pop-up ads on Facebook and so on. I don't know why, maybe my wife has been searching for stuff. Maybe Siri noticed I was too hunched over, I'm not sure. In either case, I now know that these devices come in all shapes and sizes from something as small as a clip-on that buzzes you if you slouch too much, to back braces and double-strap posture correctors. Matthew, I think I'd recommend the double-strap one for you by the look of things. Well, I don't know what you mean by the look of things. We're 3,600 kilometers apart, so you're just making that up. But uh, I do probably have some room for some posture improvement. Fair enough. Does God really care about our posture, though, Mike? Well, he counts how many hairs are on our head, so he cares about every aspect of our being, including our posture. Remember that beautiful incident when Christ healed the woman who was crippled over in Luke 13. She was crippled by a spirit for 18 years, says Luke, and bent over, could not straighten up at all. And Jesus saw her, called her forward, and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. And he put his hands on her, and and immediately she straightened up and praised God. The Lord actually takes some flack for this because he healed her on the Sabbath. So yes, he does care about her posture. In fact, let's look at this text that inspired this podcast episode. Matthew, would you mind reading it, please? Absolutely. Leviticus 26, verse 13, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Thank you. Notice what the Lord is saying here. He freed them from slavery in Egypt, and now they can walk with their heads held high. Now, it's obvious that the Lord physically freed them from physical slavery and that this would have produced physical improvements to their posture. But I think it's equally obvious that the Lord is talking about more than that. Speaking in metaphorical language, while God is undoubtedly concerned for our physical posture, he also really cares about the posture of our hearts. And that's what I want to talk a little bit about in this episode. Sometimes we find ourselves slipping back into a slave mentality. We subject ourselves to burdens we weren't meant to carry. Our head hangs down in despair. Our shoulders stoop with discouragement. I suppose we can swing back and forth between two extremes, uh, being too hard on ourselves on the one hand and being too full of ourselves on the other. In the one, we crawl on hands and knees and wallow in our own worthlessness. In the other, we strut, we sway, we look down on those we deem inferior to us. And this text points us to the ultimate posture correcting device, a device that warns us when we're getting proud and bloated with self and encourages us when we're filled with self-loathing. It's called the cross. That's where we end up in this episode. But I want to make two prior points first. 
First, our old posture problems come from serving the wrong master. These Israelites that it's speaking of were literal slaves, of course, in Egypt under the yoke of slavery. And Jay Sklar in his commentary gives a good one-liner on what their slavery was like. He says, Egyptian slavery was oppressive, reducing people to the status of animals dragging heavy burdens attached to yokes around their necks. For many in the world, brutal work conditions were or are the cause of their poor posture. Today, many of us in the West at least don't live or serve under those sorts of conditions, but our slavery can be a different form. It can be slavery to entertainment. It's just as much addiction to our devices and distractions is proving to be hard, uh, literally, on our posture. But all of us are ultimately slaves of Satan and sin. Remember that woman I opened with in Luke 13, Jesus said, Satan had kept her bound for 18 long years. Her old master had caused her disfigurement. We too were once slaves to sin and Satan. We were bent over, twisted in on ourselves. But that was then. When we trusted Christ, we were set free from serving our old master. So that's the first point, is our old posture problems came from serving the wrong master. But the second point is this. Our new master gives us a permanent posture realignment. Let me read the verse from Leviticus again. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Uh, Sklar in his commentary says again, the Lord's redemption was gracious, freeing the Israelites from these burdens and transferring them into his service. They could now walk with heads held high as is fitting for servants of the King of Kings. Matthew, this is far better than a device that buzzes every time your shoulders droop. Such devices are are merely exterior to us. They are surface remedies. The ultimate boon for our posture is interior. It is receiving a new identity in the core of our being. It's being able to say, I'm no longer a slave. Now I'm a son. I'm no longer Satan's property. I'm, I'm a member of God's family. I'm no longer hated. I'm infinitely loved. God's salvation brings about a fundamental realignment to my core self. My status has changed from something shameful to something glorious. Because we've been redeemed and set free by the Lord Jesus Christ, we too can walk with heads held high, as is fitting for servants of the King of Kings. That's excellent, Mike. It's so important. I love that contrast also between Satan degrading us, but the Lord dignifying us. It's also nice that they both start with a letter D. If you get a third D, you could have a sermon. But is the Bible really saying it's right for us to walk with our heads held high? I mean, that that may sound a bit dangerous in some ways. I mean, there's still so much sin and corruption in our hearts So who am I to lift my head high? The scriptures warn against pride, of course, so many times as well. I mean, remember that tax collector in Luke 18, he was beating himself and had his head down. So how does that compare to us having our head held high, as you've suggested? Well, your question is very personal for me, Matthew. Um, We often operate according to worm theology, at least I do, where, where we say, I'm just a worm, I'm so sinful. And we can easily believe that the only posture God wants to see us in is creeping and crawling into his presence over a bed of nails in order to do penance for our sins. And uh, I just have found the reply that, that the late Jack Miller would have made so helpful. He says, 
basically says, cheer up. You're far worse than that. You're a worse sinner than you ever dared imagine. And you're more loved than you ever dared hope. So, so I want to say two things in response to your question, Matthew. First, God wants us to embrace who we are in Christ, despite our ongoing sin and failure. If you're a Christian, you've been purchased by the blood of Christ. You are justified by God himself. You are his newborn children. You're his adopted son or daughter. You're a co-heir with Christ himself. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit, set apart for God. That's the first thing. He wants us to embrace uh, these blessings that we have in the Lord. But, but secondly, the nature of this salvation keeps us from pride. Yes, God enables us now to walk with heads held high, but it's also true that one of the seven things God hates is the haughty look. You can see that in Proverbs 6, verse 17. The fact that Israel uh, was saved means their heads can be held high. The fact that they used to be slaves means they were not to look down on other slaves and lowly people. They were to be generous and just with the poor, the slave, the sojourner, because that's what they once were. We see this in the passage immediately before this one in, in Leviticus 25. Also, Leviticus 19, verse 33. Let me read that. It says, When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him harm. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You see how transforming God's liberation is. This is far more effective than a device that buzzes or beeps. And yet, and yet, I'm not mocking those little devices. Here's why. Though it's true that, first point, my old posture problems came from serving the wrong master, and though it's true, second point, that Christ has permanently realigned my core self, my, my very being, so that I'm now free and, and repossess a sense of dignity in his presence, while that's all true, what happens? We forget. I forget. I forget who I am in Christ. I fall for Satan's lies. I slump into despair. Or, if I'm performing well, I begin to look down on and become impatient with those who are struggling. So what we need is a reminder. That's, that's my third point and, and final one for this episode, that the cross is our perfect posture corrector device. When Amen. we're prone to beating ourselves up, sit up, it says, sit up. Christ, the cross tells me Christ valued me and died for me. And when we're prone to beating others up or thinking we're better than others, it, it, it reminds me, head down a bit there. Cross, the cross tells me he had no reason to value me in myself. There was nothing about me that led him to do it. It tells me this is what he had to do to save me. So, so hard up was my desperate situation. So our problem is we forget. Just like maybe some of us need a reminder occasionally, you know, straighten up, sit up, shoulders back. So, so we need reminders throughout the week, throughout the day, throughout the hour of our new posture in Christ. So let me finish with three quick practical takeaways, Matthew. Number one, I know we're in a COVID setting and, and as we record this right now, um, our local church is not able to do this. But number one, as soon as we can, let's get back to prizing the Lord's Supper. It's a weekly reminder that we are the purchased of the Lord and a reminder of what he gave to make us his own. Secondly, let's celebrate the, the work of the indwelling spirit. He bears witness with our spirit, according to Romans 8, that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, 
heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. He is constantly reminding us of who we are. And then thirdly, let's store up scriptures that help us. Maybe this verse in Leviticus would be one of them, Leviticus 26 and 13. But let's store up these scriptures that, that help us remember. When, when the accuser, my old master, tells me God doesn't want to see me today because of what I've done, tells me I can't come as I am, when I'm bent over with pressure and stress, when, when you're slumped over with discouragement, remind yourself, remind yourself, you are bought with the blood of Christ. You belong to the Almighty now. He has broken the bars of your yoke so that you can walk with your head held high. Amen. Such important stuff there, Mike, and really well presented. Thank you. It's helpful for all of us. Let me ask you a question. Back a, a few minutes ago, you were saying that one of the reasons they were to treat others kindly, the slaves, the sojourners, the poor, is because that's what they once were. So you are saying there, there's some benefit in remembering what we once were, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that remembering what we once were, it, it humbles us. It, it helps us at least steer clear of the one posture extreme of, of becoming vaunted and, and prideful. Remember what we were. It also helps us be, be ennobled um, because we remember, well, this is the grace that Christ has shown me then. And my God has done so much for me. And, and so it, it helps us veer away from the other extreme too of, of just being overly down on ourselves and, and just beating up ourselves. Exactly. I, th I think your point about helping us to appreciate grace and how great God's salvation is. So it helps us to worship in that regard. I, I didn't tell you this before you planned this episode, but there is a text hanging on my wall. It's not the one from Leviticus, but it, Deuteronomy 15 and 15. It's been on my wall in my office for a long time. And it says, remember you were a bondman in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Uh, you know, that's who you were, and yet the Lord God has showed such grace and compassion and mercy and power in your life. And that's a, that's a good reminder. And then the other reminder, as you said, is to, to remember well who we are in Christ. So let me ask you another question. I mean, this is when we're recording this. This is now actually a Friday, so this means probably another Friday evening of you and Helen sitting down watching some Gaither videos uh, what do you do when you come to that song by the Gaither vocal band uh, that they sing, I'm only a sinner saved by grace? Do you skip that one or do you sing it loud and clear? What do you do with it? Well, uh, yeah, it's been a long time since I've listened or watched a Gaither song or video, but uh, not meaning to demean you for your pastimes, Matthew, but um, I'm happy to sing those words. Because Paul in Timothy there, he says that he is, he is present tense, the chief of sinners. Um, but I, I, I believe I know what you're getting at too. There's something, there's something missing there if that's all we sing, the sinner. There's something that's fundamentally changed now about my identity. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. Now I'm a forgiven and reconciled child of God. And in my observation, I think more of the Lord's people need that reminder that in Christ we are saints. I mean, I'm thinking of that. That's such a frequent title and how Christians are addressed in the New Testament, Romans 1, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called saints. And then Romans 8, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We are children of God. We are God's elect, his chosen people. So it's it's remarkable blessings. We We are sinners 
saved by grace, and we are saints, chosen, accepted, redeemed in Christ. Thanks so much, Mike, for bringing that teaching to us today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We hope this was a blessing to you, and we pray to that end, and we hope that you will join us again for our next Practicology podcast coming up in a few days' time. Mm -hmm.